Recording from the Financial Coach offices in Westchester, PA, this is Untucked, a podcast hosted by three financial advisors discussing markets, investing, and a bunch of other stuff. I'm Megan Tate, and I'll be joined by Mike Trainer and Jeff Mastronardo. Let's get started. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome back to Untucked. Um, this is Megan. And Mike. This is Jeff. Did you know that 10% of the general population are left-handed? And 65% of autistic kids are left-handed. Huh. Not sure how fun that fact is. Yeah, autism is not fun. I don't know how anyone, like, why did we name this a fun fact? It's you just named a, it It's that. just a fact of the day, guys. Um, well, then maybe we need to. I found it interesting to change the narrative because okay. I'm pretty sure the first one you gave, you called a fun fact. Okay. We can go back to the tapes, though. Mm-hmm. So what? Conclu- what? What does it mean, uh, guys? The fun fact—it's not up for discussion. Like, there's nothing to to talk about. It just, I'm, I'm educated. I'm, give, I'm giving you something to to, to think about. Get All your right. okay. Good to know. <laughs> like if I if I knew the objective was to have you guys comment on it, then I'll come up with some other stuff, some other material. It sounds like you're drawing a correlation between lefties and autism. First of all, I'm not drawing the correlation. <laughs> you it's brought the just, fun fact to the it's table. It's just buddy. a fact, dude. All right, where are we going here? All right, let's go Philly sports. So, <sighs> Phil's. Are, did they hire? They hire. Is it official? Yeah, new manager. Okay. Does so. it matter? We talked about this last time. Does it even matter that another guy's wearing a uniform? I think the majority of baseball enthusiasts feel like it does matter, which is why they were so hot about Gabe, because Gabe made all these poor decisions, and we got to get him out of here. He doesn't, he doesn't discipline these kids enough. So I think, and is certainly listening to Sports Talk Radio this morning, I mean, everybody's geeked up for the Phils next season because of Joe Girardi. I'll maintain what I said in the past. They're not swinging the bats. They're not throwing the pitches. If a manager adds three wins, four wins over a given season, if he's you know making decisions. I would say it's matter? probably more than that. They, really? they, yeah, I think a good manager can probably make a 10% difference, which is about 15 games. Actually, 16.2. Yeah, I was rounding down. He has three World Series championships. Not all as a manager, though. I actually don't know if any of them are as a manager. Oh, yeah. I think it's a good move for One. the club. I mean, I th- I'll take Joe Girardi over Gabe Kapler. Well, here's why it's a good move. Yesterday, they did not have a manager. Today, they have a manager. Right? So it's a good move in that respect. Sure. I just don't think it matters. I just don't think it matters. It matters. What do you mean you don't think it? That's like saying it doesn't matter if there's a hockey coach or not. It doesn't matter. It's not 10% of the the wins, that's for sure. It's what happens on that. Anyway, we've talked about this. Good good for the fills. Good for the fills. Good for the fills. Birds. I don't want to throw up all over my mic, so do we really have to talk about the birds? 
They stunk. Could you imagine going to that game, like going to the Cowboys game in Dallas to watch your team win, and they got their asses kicked? I think I Zach Ertz apologized to the fan base, didn't he? I don't know. Yeah, he did. Post-game apologized. And he should. Yeah. So, I mean, not that we would know, but is there? Is it basically like locker room unrest, people don't like Wentz, all that kind of stuff? Do you put any I don't, stock I don't in think that? So. No. No, I think the team did not show up. And it's almost, I think, two weeks in a row now that it looks like they didn't show up. I don't know if it's coaching preparedness. I, I just don't think but it like is. But, like, guys coming late to practice and late to meetings, all those sorts of rumors. I mean, you know it's Howard Eskin and all that, but. I just think they're not that good. Okay. Oh, you finally come to the dark <laughs> side, Meg. I mean, I I think, like, we did not match up well. We, they did not match up well with the Cowboys. Like, in any facet of the game. They didn't play well. Just as kind of all the stars aligned for the Super Bowl, Foles played better than expected. Lightning in a bottle? Uh, I wouldn't go lightning in a bottle, but uh, the stars aligned, Meg. (laughs) Um, I think that they're all kind of playing poorly at the same time. The, The offensive line looked like dog shit. Carson Wentz can't, there's not much he can do when he's running for his life the entire game. Um, but he does make he do, he has his, his his share of bad passes. Nelson Aguilar still can't catch, and still can't track a ball well. They're all just playing like crap, and that's what happens. You lose games, and you and you get your asses kicked. It's sort of it, you know without Deshaun Jackson, they're obviously it's the same old story. They, they have no receiver that's reliable that can catch and can make plays. That that's that's unbelievable to me. But isn't it is it though? Or is it really just make the case that in this league you need you need like that stud or a couple of them at, at skill positions to, to stand out week after week to make the difference or else you're just mediocre? We don't have it. And I think yeah. I made that comment a few weeks ago. Like we don't have that stud offensive player right now. And it doesn't count if it's Wentz because he's got no one to hand the ball to or throw it to. Ultimate team sport. Yeah, so they better get their shit together this week against Buffalo. Because if they go four and I guess they'll be four and five, that would be bad. Three and five. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, three and five, yes. Yeah. Right. So what's your, right. what's your take for this week? They beat Buffalo in yeah. Buffalo? Yeah. Meg's a yes. I'm a yes, too. It's got to be like they, they – I can't believe that they're actually like a six and ten team, which is what they're like headed towards now. I don't. I just don't think they're that bad. I and like you just said, like every every aspect of the game, they were bad. That's not normal. Normally, unless they're just bad. Unless they are just actually that bad. Yeah. I think they're just bad. I think they yeah. lose on Sunday. As much as it hurts me to say that, because I want <laughs> I'm going to be super excited for the game. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to crack a beer, I'm going to be pumped up, and I know how it's going to play out. But you're also the guy that, if it goes south, the game's off by the beginning of the third quarter. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I, I'm not going to put myself through it, man. <laughs> I'm not going to sit there and watch right, dog shit enough. for the next 20 minutes. Red zone, baby. <laughs> okay. Flyers, anything new to report? 
Um, they're 500. They came back and played great. I mean, they, they had a win the other night against Vegas, and they poured goals in, which was sort of not unexpected because they haven't – people are down on them. Oh, they're now they're, they've lost two, three in a row, same old Flyers. It's not the same old Flyers. They are kind of dominating games, getting a ton of chances. Eventually they go in. They are a different team. I think you can start like a Flyers podcast. I think you should <laughs> just do so. hockey commentary. Nobody would listen. <laughs> and fewer than we have on this podcast. So, Meg, you must be totally psyched that our Sixers podcast aligns with, with the first game of the Sixers. Yeah, it worked out well. What's your take? Um, I mean, it was fun to beat up on Boston, for sure. They're bad. The Sixers are, I said this to you earlier, they're going to win a lot of ugly basketball games. I mean, the the skill set is we're just big, we're tough, we're going to defend and out-rebound people, but we're not going to make a lot of shots. <laughs> were you surprised by how good their defense was? No, I don't think so. Um, I, was, I was surprised by how bad their shooting was. I didn't think it would be that bad. Now it's the first yep. game of the season, and Boston didn't shoot well either. And I've watched a couple of other games. Nobody com- like comes out game one on fire but I think Ben played awesome and if we get some version of that Ben for the rest of the season they're going to be very good when that kid plays with confidence he's unstoppable mm-hmm. his problem is he get, he gets too down and pouty yeah. and he plays like shit when he does that but his game is so smooth when he's confident it's fun to watch man Yeah. does anybody have an opinion on the the uniforms, which I, I, I assume they no longer say Sixers. They say Phila, right? Yeah. Is that what they go with coming from someone who doesn't watch the games? I, I love mean, it. They've abandoned the old Sixers unis, like the, the logo and everything, right? It's now the P-H-I-L-A. Yeah, it's what, they, it's what it says. Um, they do have versions – like their throwback uniform or whatever says Sixers, just not across the chest like it used to. It says it like around in a circle. Um, Shouldn't it just say Philly? I mean, that's what everybody refers to Philly as Philly when they come in. They're playing Philly. They're like, yeah. well, just call it Philly. No, I don't know where this energy is coming from, Mike. But I don't really appreciate <laughs> shitting on the. Sixers. I'm not. Sh- I'm, I'm <laughs> suggesting an improvement to the brand. Um, interesting take. Can't say I've thought a ton about it. Uh, their hashtag is Phila Unite. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of Richardson. Yeah. Kick and play some ball. Yeah, he's Which I, I wasn't aware of prior. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was nice to see. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed at how quiet Embiid gets stats. Like, if you asked me, like, towards the third quarter, like, was he even playing, I would say, I don't think he's even on the court. But then you look at his line, he's got 10 points, nine, nine rebounds, and three three assists with, like, a couple blocks. Like, it's, I feel like he should be more dominant and more present, and he's not, but he still puts up decent numbers. It's crazy. I think it'll be interesting to see how him and Horford play together. I mean, that's going to take some time. Um what I noticed about him that I was pleasantly surprised about is he falls better. Yeah. <laughs> so there, I can remember times last year where he would fall and I, my, I would hold my breath because he just fell so hard 
He tried to catch himself. He'd like contort his body in weird ways. He fell a couple times. He was diving after loose balls, which I love. I'd probably rather him not do it, but he did it in like a relatively athletic way. So he didn't look like he was going to break his wrists or his face every time he did it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he, <laughs> last year he looked like he was going to go through the hardwood floor yes. when he would land. And tear an ACL in the yeah, process. Yeah. yeah. So it uh, should be fun. Bright spot is the Sixers, man. I know that you're holding, holding, know. holding for the Flyers as well. But I walked into the gym this morning and the guy who trains me is like, 98 now. <laughs> All the way to the championship oh, oh, without losing Got a game. <laughs> Sorry. Should provide that context. All right. Start with Ben. Yeah. Carlson. Ben Carlson wrote an article for his blog, A Wealth of Common Sense, called Nine Questions I'm Pondering at the Moment. Um, ben lists nine things that were pretty unrelated to one another that he's thinking about, and a couple of them stood out to us. Um, Any one in particular you guys want to start with? Well, yeah, I'll start with the one that I, of the nine, the one that is really simple, but it's it's so relevant because it comes up all the time. So he, his point was, hey, if the CEO of one of the biggest banks on the planet, he's talking about Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan, if he can't predict the direction of interest rates, then what chance do the rest of us have? And he, and he talks about how a couple of uh, headlines appeared about a year apart from one another. The first was Jamie Dimon cautions the yield is going to hit 5% higher probability than we think. And then more recently, but only a year later, he says JP Morgan is getting ready for a risk of zero rates in the U.S. So his point is like, this is somebody, if anyone should know, it would be him. Um, but yet, it's one of the common questions we get all the time, and people come in here not only asking where rates are going, but they say, well, everyone knows rates are headed higher, right? Or, And um, I have to laugh all the time. Anyone who's ever gotten a mortgage loan for a house or anything like that, your mortgage broker is telling you with certainty where rates are going. You better lock it in now. They're going higher. Everyone knows it. Did you read the paper today? All that crap, which just makes you laugh. And... Um, it's a reminder that, and, and someone once said that predicting the direction of interest rates is the hardest thing in all of you know, economics, let's just call it, harder than anything else. You, you can predict global economic growth or stock market returns or anything, but interest rate projections are the stupidest thing to ever do. And it's just proven over and over and over again. Here's another example. But nobody can predict that other stuff too. No, they can't. But I just think that direction of rates seems to be one of those things that everyone is so sure of like yeah. oh, of course they're going higher they're only 1.5% right now they're definitely going higher well and then they cut them they're not definitely going right. anywhere i appreciated him actually doing the the homework and putting this guy which is like how do you say his last name dimon diamond diamond on the spot um, because you can do this with, with anyone, with anyone, with a, any company, anyone making market. I mean, claims. they all make market claims in January, and then they they backtrack on it six months from now. Like, why? Well, I, I can't believe people even still pay attention, and I guess they pay attention because they don't do this homework, right? Well, really, think about how it works. I mean, the media is constantly looking for a quote from a guy like Jamie Dimon, and he's obliging them, and he shouldn't. What he should say is, "I have no idea where they're right. going." But he doesn't do that because he's who he is and he has to have this, you know, persona. But nobody, to your point, Jeff, nobody calls him on it. I, and, go ahead. No, no, and, and, and sort of 
draws the conclusion, yeah. which is nobody knows. <laughs> so why do we care? Why do we listen to these people? Nick Murray's pretty good about that, like showing what J.P. Morgan said the market's going to do this year. And then literally like a month later, they say the exact opposite. But no one, no one does that homework. You just hear it and you kind of move on with your life and forget that somebody made that assumption. Um, I liked his, his point about WeWork debacle with the IPO and maybe the IPO process is working. What's your take on that, Mike? I think I agree with it. I think it's a, it's going to be one of the like textbook business school cases for a long time because there's so much to it because governance, there's, you know, you have tons of money thrown, being thrown after any idea. There's all, there's so many elements to it that it'll be dissected forever. And the flame out, the, the, the flame out from an 80 billion or whatever valuation to now the latest is eight. And that's even eight. questionable. It might even be zero. Um, but I think the point is great, which is that the minute that those um, filings were dropped publicly, the collective investment world dissected them and called bullshit. Yeah. In a huge way, huge enough to pull the IPO. And unfortunately, thousands of people lose their jobs in the in the aftermath. But even even it Adam, worked. even Adam Newman lost his job. Well, don't we feel got... bad for him? What he just made a, a one point five billion. And that's just the perverseness of the, the arrangement he had with the with SoftBank. With SoftBank, right. Which was that Newman was able to basically say, if you don't pay me this, I mean, I'm par- if you don't pay me this, this will absolutely go to zero. You have the chance of maybe getting out of this with something it's if disgusting. you pay me off. And it's, it is. But I crazy. think I, I agree with you. I, th- I thought that the IPO process worked. I feel like this, like, I feel like we're in this time like kind of akin to the the late 90s with the internet bubble and all these companies kind of coming out of nowhere trying trying to make it and I feel like we're we're, we're back there again with all these new technology and delivery companies and but I I kind of disagree in that this and Uber and some of the others that have kind of either flamed out or flailed um, are very different than that time. And I think that what's, what's happening now is that people are sort of calling, calling bullshit on some of this stuff. And, and um, it's not just go public, cash out, and left, leave all the individual investors holding the bag. Here, no individual investor got left holding the bag unless you own shares in a mutual fund that invested in it. But it's only a small piece. The people that lost were the venture capitalists that funded it. But the people that look really bad here, again, are the, are the Morgan Stanley and the Goldman Sachs, yep. underwriters and bankers that were uh, preparing to sell this piece of garbage to the public at 60 and $70 billion valuations, and it's worth nothing. Yeah. It's like what we talked about last week, uh, Morgan Housel's article and the access to information that we have now. I mean, the fact that the public is taking notice of these potential IPOs, they're doing the due diligence, you know, the, the analyst community that ripped this apart. I mean, it's, it's all benefiting ultimately the, the normal, I'll call it, uh, investor. Um, and I don't know that with, I mean, without the internet, does that even happen? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have that, like, far-reaching of an effect. So 
the early 2000s and the internet bubble have now given us the the tools to be able to really like require that these companies be transparent and they are being i mean they disclose everything yeah. and then they get to make a a good decision about it yeah i think we're learning a little bit from the mistakes that we made in 2000 yeah what i thought was another interesting point that he was pondering was um explaining inflation yeah and how and i've never really even thought of it this way that inflation impacts it's very people personal yeah people very different yeah. differently yeah. Um, healthcare cost versus college education cost um, versus transportation versus food. I mean, if you are a college kid, that that inflation effect is going to be way different than if you're a person who's uh, retired and in their 80s. Investor behavior is something he oh, asked yeah. a question about. He said, what, what if behavior is actually improving now? Like, you know, Vanguard did a study that basically touted how infrequently its clients are trading and you know, his Ben's point here is his question is maybe, you know, people are actually getting it. Maybe all this information around what not to do and not to panic and stick it out and everything is is resonating. I I'm skeptical of that for sure, only because I think that if you look at how shallow the declines have been in the last 10 years and how market declines, market declines. Right. And how how short lived all the sort of trauma has been that nobody's really been tested. So I think it's a little early to say that. I agree. He referenced the fourth quarter of last year and it just wasn't down long enough. It was certainly down far enough. I think it went down like 18% or so. Um, But it just didn't stay down long enough. Yeah, let's see how Vanguard's trading uh, holds up when we're down 30% for 18 months. I'd like to see another company do the study though. I think Vanguard... 100% right. There are a lot of people, obviously, who are with Vanguard for reasons that are beyond their control. But I think if you are a client of Vanguard, the vast majority of people probably subscribe to a different investment philosophy, that of long-term, low-cost, and, you know, stay-the-course type of mentality. Although I will say, and I don't have any evidence on this, but the recent decision from TD Ameritrade and E-Trade and Schwab and all the online brokerage platforms to go to zero commissions, I think in part reflects their realization that we don't have as many hyperactive traders as we used to. We don't generate as much commission revenue as we used to, and we don't think it's going to like accelerate anymore, so we have to find other, another business model. So I think maybe that group of people that are the active traders is just kind of withering away mm-hmm. um and that would be good right. for that would be good for everybody but uh i think that might be part of it yeah yeah i agree another article about millennials um cb insights which is a market research company uh put out a research brief called 12 industries experts say millennials are killing and why they're wrong um this is actually like the opening line, but I think it's a good summary. The perception of the millennial generation as exceptionally narcissistic, immature, and disengaged from society has fueled a thousand takes on the industries they're killing. Here's what's really going wrong, going on. Um, I just feel like we talk about millennials a lot, so I wanted to Google just to make sure, like the age group. Um, born in 1981 through 1996. I just missed the millennials. 
I'm like right smack dab in the middle. Okay. I'm not very close at all. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Yeah, I think the article was spot on. Millennials didn't kill any of these. These are all dying industries. Yeah, I'm going to start with cereal. Can I just say what they are? Oh, all yeah, of them yeah. and then Go ahead. Cereal, casual dining, department stores, luxury goods, cable TV, gyms, American cheese, beer, canned tuna, motorcycles, golf, and raisins. Going on cereal, sir. So, you know, they say, okay, cereal, it's, it's too inconvenient, it takes a while to eat, or it's too sugary, not good for you, and all this kind of stuff. his voice changed. First of all, <laughs> cereal sucks. I disagree with you 100%. Second of all, I suspect that milk is not good for you, period. You know, anyway, like the milk is something that we were conditioned to drink decades ago. And I, I'm i not so sure that we're supposed to be drinking milk as grown-ass adults. We're not. We're the only right. country that drinks right. it beyond infancy. So we're my the point only being, mammals that consume milk past infancy. Yeah. So maybe it's not millennials. It's the fact that cereal, cereal is a stupid food. Cereal is a fantastic food. <laughs> it's not inconvenient. You get a bowl, you get the cereal, you get milk, you eat it. It's actually pretty quick to prepare. No, it's not the quick. It's what, how can you eat it? Where can you eat it? You can't eat it on the go. That's what convenience okay. is. American public. Also, get up five do you minutes like early. all brand? It gets soggy quickly. <laughs> it's very, very. Oh, You're going to tell me Captain cereal. Crunch is no good. Crunch is kind of good. Captain Crunch sucks. All of it sucks. Captain Crunch makes your like the roof of your mouth hurt. It does. <laughs> Agreed. Dude, department stores are dead. Millennials have nothing to do with that. No one goes to department stores anymore. And no one should. Go to Amazon. If you need anything, just get it from Amazon. I think we said that that was one of the things that boom that should die with, die with boomers. So yeah. That's, yeah, we're, we're Cable TV, you're killing yourself because you're too expensive and there's just way more options. Yes. Like it... The, these, these industries are evolving, and, and they're not evolving with it. Beer, I think he's dead wrong. Well, I think, is, weren't they talking about beer like Bud Heavy? Right, like the old... Like no one drinks yeah. Budweiser. Okay, go to a NASCAR event. There's plenty of people drinking Budweiser. Okay. <laughs> millennials? Who cares about millennials? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> no, you say millennials are killing beer, and they're not. Beer is actually fine. Beer right, that tastes horrible is killing beer. <laughs> right. Craft <laughs> beers have become more popular. Yeah, maybe those, maybe Bud will be hurting in like 20 years when all the NASCAR fans that are old die. But I think NASCAR has got longevity. Dude. I, I think it, it does, does too. I, like, more I than think NFL. The Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the millennials that are going to uh, like the Indy 500 are not bringing like Founders All Day IPA with them. They're bringing Bud That's or they're bringing true. Natty Light. True. That's true. I'm, I was sad to see Cantuna on the list. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Although when I read, I'm like, God, Cantuna is kind of gross. It's so skeevy. <laughs> and the whole office stinks when you bring it to work. <laughs> Um, I think the best part for our listeners to, to read in this yes. article is the... Um, the motorcycles. Yeah, the Facebook post about why millennials are killing motorcycles. It's very enjoyable. I highly encourage you to read that part. This popular Facebook post summarizes much of the media's attitude about what's driving the trend. <clears throat> and this is from Facebook, which obviously it's from Facebook. They didn't even need to tell you that and you would have known. Here are the reasons why millennials don't ride motorcycles and why sales are down. Pants won't pull up far enough for them to straddle the seat. Can't get their phone to their ear with a helmet on. 
You don't have to wear a helmet in PA. Can't use two hands to eat while driving, which you would need two hands for cereal. Especially cereal. Yeah. This is my favorite. They don't get a trophy and a recognition plaque just for buying one. Don't have enough oh. muscle to build, to hold the bike up when stopped. Yeah, because gym memberships are down too, <laughs> as we saw on the list. Might have a bug hit them in the face and then they would need emergency care. Motorcycles don't have air conditioning. They can't afford one because they spent 12 years in college trying to get a degree in humanities, social studies, or gender studies for which no jobs are available. <laughs> that was written by a boomer then, that Facebook post. See, I told been. you. So Meg, yeah, Meg, Meg um, profiled the person who, <laughs> she said it was a male, Caucasian, between the ages of 65 and 80. Probably no, the 55 and 65. Sorry. Probably the Penn State alum that uh, tweeted at... Uh, Don't you think name? it yes. could have been a female who, who, who posted no, that? No, it's absolutely not a female. I'm happy to hear that um, golf is dying. <laughs> For reasons other than millennials yeah, being disinterested. Yeah, yeah. Right. Golf is just, it's just too long. It's too long. It's too difficult. you got to spend too much time to get decent at it. Like I'm, I'm out on golf. But does it impact you if, if you're personally out on golf and other people are all in on golf? I'll go play golf. I'm just not the one to organize a golf trip. But you're happy to see golf's demise, is what you just said. Yeah. Okay. Like I wouldn't be sad if no one asked me to play golf ever again. Do you Would want you, yeah. apartment buildings there, or or a park, just a park or something on that on those Prob properties? No, probably like a uh, a graveyard. Would a graveyard. Be, yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I thought that, that was an enjoyable here. article. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So our last one is called The Art of Sticking Around in the NBA. So the NBA kicked off their season this week. And um, this article was on The Ringer. It was written by Dan Devine. And he wrote about the life cycle of the journeyman NBA player. Um, as mentioned in the article, the NBA can't offer a definitive number on the average length of the modern player's career, but best calculations put it between four and five years. Dan interviews Garrett Temple, Kendrick Perkins, Jameer Nelson, and Marvin Williams and constructs a rundown of what's required to hang on to a gig in the best basketball league in the world. There are just a couple points here that... Each of the players really talk about in terms of things that are required of you that are beyond like your skill set on the court to matter, to continue getting contracts. And the people that he was talking to, I think I missed DJ Augustine as well, all have 10 plus years in the league. What do you guys think? I, I enjoyed the article way more than I thought I would enjoy it. Nice. Uh, my takeaway it was pretty interesting. I thought it was a really interesting article. I kind of related it to if you ever read Paper Tiger, which just talks about how difficult Tom Coyne wrote Paper Tiger, and he talks about how difficult it is to become a professional golfer. Like he even says, <laughs> like a scratch golfer is a guy or a girl that shoots par. They get no strokes. And he's like, scratch is shit. Like, you're not a good golfer if you're a scratch golfer. You're never going to make it to the PGA. And he, he go, during his book, he just talks about how difficult it is to become a pro golfer. And I, I started thinking about that. I was reading this, and I'm reading these, these veterans talk about what they need to do to stay in the league. Like, you can make it and play three or four years, but if you want to play like Al Horford's in his 13th season, like, you have to be willing to check your ego – Hey, you think you're a two guard? You might be a four. 
You need to develop a shot. You need to forget about that you're you're not the best defender in the world. And then all the other stuff, like be a good person, be willing to mentor. Uh, his the greatest line in here was when I forget which one it was showed up for practice on time, mm-hmm. and Larry Brown was DJ there. Augustine, yeah. yeah, and he said, "If I'm ever here before you, like you could forget seeing the floor, something like that." Mm-hmm. Um, so like these really smart players that got it and and really figured it out how you need to be a complete person as well as a complete player, and just shut your mouth and go to work, and you'll you'll. You'll be around for a long time. And, dude, that means millions of millions of dollars. It's way easier said than done. Yeah, so this article is about the NBA, but it applies to every sport. Sure. And I'm very aware of, Jeff, a lot of your points that you make. Because think about whether it's football, baseball, hockey, basketball, or any sport. Your entire life, you're the best kid on the team. Yeah. Your entire life, you're the guy. You're the or the you're the go-to. You're scoring six touchdowns a game. You're 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 leading scorer on your hockey team. You're the guy hitting 525 with 36 home runs for your you know, you're just the guy. And then when you get to this level and if you're not one of those special special elite athletes who are just insane and transcend their sports, you have to adapt and you have to become the defensive specialist or you have to be a fourth liner or um you, you know a pinch runner utility player or whatever it is and that's so hard i think mentally for anyone it's impossible for them and right and i think fandom in general doesn't give these athletes Humans. enough credit for how hard it is to stay in there think about the other thing every year that ticks by if you're a professional like us you actually are better at your job than the rookie coming in. Experience like accrues to your benefit. In sports, every year that ticks by, someone is there to take your job who wasn't there last year, and they're more athletic. They're, they're actually more prepared to take your job athletically. It's yeah. so hard, and and to be able to stick to any of these sports in one of those roles for that long is unbelievable. And it's unsung, really. We like normal people like we have we can't wrap our brain around it and it's why i get frustrated when i i watch a game with an old head and the lineman makes a tackle and gets up and celebrates and the old head's like look at this fucking idiot like uh, who like what you just made a tackle they have no idea this guy's trained his whole life he's trained all week to get to this game He's had, I don't know, 40 snaps where he's been beating the other man across from him. He finally gets through and makes a tackle. Yeah, man. He's friggin' excited. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, they don't, they don't get that. The work required just to tread water, right, yeah. is insane. And not many people can even do that. So, like, it's just, it's a great article. It reminds you of how hard it is. Like, we sit here and we, like, we say, oh, man, imagine how great it'd be to play a sport for a living. And, like, it's hard. It is incredibly difficult once you're getting there, but staying there. Yeah. You know? The mental thing that, that these people have to go through, um, I remember listening to an interview. One of Randy Moss's coach, coach coaches was being interviewed. And, you know, tell me about Randy. And, oh, like, and the guy just sung his praises. Like, he's, he's an unbelievable person. And he said exactly what you said, that – this kid, every field he stepped on his entire life, he was the best player there. 
You don't think he's going to come into the NFL? And by the way, he's the best player on the field in the NFL. And act like he acts? It's all he knows. And to expect him to act differently, you're you're in the wrong for expecting that. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine the mental t- and not the, the mental toughness these people have to have to excel at that level uh, is is unbelievable. And I was impressed just by how smart these guys who were interviewed in this article were that they figured out not only making it to the NBA but also excelling at it for a long, long time. Yeah, and I think the idea that they make it for one reason and then retire and are praised for a completely different one just speaks to the game changing and evolving but then their willingness to do so and i think that's where we're so far behind from a fan standpoint like to your point earlier we have not embraced the evolution like as fans we have not collectively been okay with these sports the nba but i i'm sure it's the same in the nfl the you know nhl and like the game's changing, and if we want to continue to watch these athletes do what they do better than anyone else, we have to, like, embrace it and enjoy it and, like, let it happen as opposed to being the disgruntled old dude who says that, oh, you know, the Pistons from the 80s would have beat the shit out of all <laughs> right, these people. Right. Yeah, well, Steph Curry would have dropped 150 on them without yeah. even thinking about it. Like, just get over yourself and be excited about the product that is on your TV. Yeah, I mean, every week I watch the NFL, and I feel like every week I walk away, and I'm like, there was a play, there somebody did something that was just amazed. And I do it with every sport, with hockey, with basketball, with baseball. I mean, the humans keep evolving and getting more <laughs> athletic and are just doing things that, I mean, yeah. your son can do a backflip. I mean, kids, when I was growing up, kids weren't doing backflips. They didn't even try. Would have well, broke our face doing that. Some did. Yeah, gymnasts. Gymnasts. No, but it, it's true. The level at which sports are being played is just insane. And it's, it's insane. awesome. It's yeah, awesome. It is. It's awesome. Yeah. And the people who want to hate on it are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Top five people who are famous for unconventional or stupid reasons. Who wants to start? Mike, you already said you want to go last. You want me to go first? Doesn't matter to me. Go ahead, Mike. All right. So I just feel like I need to preface this by saying, like, reality TV is the driver for a lot of like yeah, the people as it I probably came should up be. with. Um, so I didn't really know if I could separate the Kardashians out because they could be all like seven. Okay. So I'm just going to put the Kardashians. That's as fair. A okay. Statement. Now, That's fair. I also want to say that, like, they got famous for no reason, but have created an empire that kills it. So I'm not, like, shitting on that. Okay. Yeah. Great for the Kardashians. <laughs> Thanks for sticking up for them. Um, do you guys know who Trey Kennedy is? No. He's an Instagram uh, like, I think celebrity. only because you have yeah, I mean, made me follow him. He's, like, funny, but, like, so stupid. And he just puts on, like, Instagram, like, two-minute clips. But he's amassed an insane following. He has a brand that's called Do Less, God Bless. Like, he has created, again, like this. What's his name? Trey Kennedy. Trey Kennedy. He's funny. Is he he famous if two of the three on this podcast haven't heard of him? Or don't know him? You guys are just old. Yeah, we're just old. He follows him on Instagram. Oh. Just because she told me to follow him. (laughs) And I don't find him funny, by the way. (laughs) Um, Paris Hilton. Yep. Mm -hmm. Good one. Okay, do you guys know who LeVar Ball is? 
Yeah. Yeah, so... Lorenzo Ball's dad, right? Lamelo and Lonzo oh. and Leangelo. Jeez and crackers. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is the father to an NBA player, probably the number one draft pick for next year, and then a guy who didn't get drafted. And he's probably like the most annoying human the being most on the obnoxious planet. human on the planet. And he's created big baller big baller brand. He goes on to any sports center segment that'll have him and just shouts crazy bullshit. He's the um, guy that had his son turn down a, a sneaker deal from Nike, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for big baller brand. Moron. <laughs> he said that Lonzo was the best player in L.A. when LeBron went there. Like, he's yeah. just insane. Um, and then Perel, Perez Hilton. Mm-hmm. You familiar? Yeah, I'm not. Gossip columnist who is mm. famous for basically shitting on everyone, which is, I guess, kind of what we're doing right now. <laughs> I went with baby Jessica. Pretty good one. Yeah. Pretty good one. She was a baby that fell in a well as mm-hmm. a, as an infant. Big story. Huge story. She had to get like fished. It was like out. a multi day rescue yeah. operation. Baby and, Jessica. And yeah. she continued. She's to be probably famous. like what I would say thirty five years old probably, today or something probably. like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kim Mathers, I think, has become famous because of Marshall. Marshall. John Bobbitt. Damn, you stole my good one. <laughs> Who's John Bobbitt? John Bobbitt had his hose whacked off by his <laughs> wife. Oh, we talked about this. That What was that? What's her name? Yes, uh, Lorena. Lorena, Lorena Bobbitt yeah. threw it out the window <laughs> as she was running down the street or something. Yeah, that's And then later, he entered the porn industry. Yeah. Yeah, John Bobbitt. That was a good one. Uh, Monica Lewinsky. Yep, yep, had that one. Okay. Good thing I had some backups. And uh, Cato Kalin. You, you you took Famous three for, off my list for being a house guest. Yeah, you took three off my list. Good one. Um, you don't know who Cato Kalin is? No. The OJ uh, neighbor of OJ that got famous through the whole, you know, that whole debacle. He was in the press, in being interviewed, like giving his viewpoints. Dude, yeah. read a history book. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you took a few of mine, so Sorry. I don't have that many. But um, Steve Bartman, I think the kid's name is the. The Cubs fan who ruined, uh, yeah. the, ruined the world series, whatever. I just can't get his 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 face, face. Mm-hmm. like yeah. the hat, just the with blue the, hat with the, with the headphones. Well, he was had headphones on too, didn't he? Glasses. Oh. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. everyone still knows his name, especially Chicago. I mean, technically, he's one. famous. I do you think he's gotten like the, they hate him less now since they won a World Series? Probably. Yeah, but he went through a rough patch, yeah. I think, yeah. like death threats, right? Yeah. Um, I've got, uh, I mean, the only ones I've left that weren't taken, I got Jared from Subway. Yeah. Who. Don't give me that. Lost know, weight. Kind of got See, famous. but like. Now, you're going to say, well, he was in a commercial. Yeah. But he got really famous. Because he's a because pedophile. He's a pedophile. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't laugh at that. Sorry. But. Okay. I'm yeah. with you. All right. Yeah. Um, Joe the Plumber from the um, political campaign trail remember the i think he was in pennsylvania he got uh i think it was trump right that was i don't know putting joe, joe the plumber, the plumber up, up okay all right <laughs> um and then related related to that ken bone ken bone remember oh he was the guy at, at the snl did a, yeah. a sketch on him he, he was, was at another like, one um, what are they called those town hall town halls, that's uh, what it is debates oh he had on the sweater Right. Yes. With like the yeah, and everyone dressed up as Ken Bone for Halloween. Like yeah. he became a Halloween costume, yeah. and he was just a regular civilian dude who asked a couple of questions. So, 
Would, uh, would Kobayashi fall into this category? Who's that? He's like fame. He's like a world famous eater. Oh, the guy like, with the hot dogs. Yeah. <sighs> no, because like he trained <laughs> at a sport. <laughs> he deserved it. It wasn't <laughs> unconventional. It's uh, as professional eating is a sport. Yeah. Okay. Right? Really? Uh, we're going to talk about non-sport sports in the next episode. <laughs> That's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. Um, the articles we discussed on today's pod will be linked in the episode description on either Spotify or iTunes. Make sure you follow our Twitter at UntuckedPod for updates on new episodes. See you guys next time. 